Hello, my name is Kevin Thompson, and I'm a member with Davis McGrath LLC here in Chicago. And I'd like to welcome you all to the Davis McGrath LLC IP webinar series for December 7th, 2011. Uh, today we'll be talking about online works, copyright registration, and enforcement. Uh, we will be going for about 30 minutes, and um, I'd like to point people to our blog where the recording and slides we posted at the address shown on your screen, blog.davismcgrath.com forward slash webinars, and which you can also sign up for a webinar mailing list there. Uh, our next webinar will be coming up on January 11th, 2012, uh, again from 12 to 1230, on using the Madrid Protocol for International Trademark Protection. So today, we're going to be going for about 30 minutes, and this is uh, sort of more an advanced view of, of copyrights. Uh, one of our prior webinars was on copyright basics, uh, so if you'd like a more introductory uh, look at that, you can go back to uh, the blog and, and watch the recording there. Um, today, we'll be talking mainly about registering copyrights in digital content, uh, you know, such as websites, uh, multimedia works, uh, so forth. And then we're going to talk a little bit about just what is copyright infringement, uh, what are the damages and other consequences, and then how to deal with uh, online infringements. Uh, we, we did talk about some of these issues again in the, uh, uh, the copyright basics, uh, but we're going to try to go a little bit more advanced uh, in this particular um, session. So uh, it all points uh, throughout the uh, webinar. Uh, if you have questions, uh, please feel free to post them. Uh, there is a uh, place uh, within uh, the uh, webinar where you can pose them and um, uh, hopefully get an answer. Uh, there will also have be, be time at uh, the end for questions as well. So the number one question, which is how do I register my works? Um, and uh, th that, that comes out uh, through the Copyright Office. Uh, the uh, Copyright Office, uh, the website is copyright.gov, and there's a screenshot there. Um, I'm going to show here on my screen uh, that there's pages there where it's some, a little bit about copyright basics and frequently asked questions. And they also have um, uh, over here uh, down at the bottom an area where you can get circulars and brochures and forms. Although, to be perfectly honest, uh, the easiest thing to use these days would be the uh, electronic um, uh, copyright registration system if you're interested in, in registering your own works. And um, uh, it's not certainly not as easy as, uh, the, for example, the, the trademark office's online system, uh, but it's not bad. And uh, once you use it a few times, it, it becomes a fairly straightforward uh, way of, of registering your works. Um, again, uh, the, the, the website address is there, and as I mentioned, the forum circulars and electronic filing are available. Uh, registration covers uh, for digital work uh, the copyrightable content that is actually received in the Copyright Office and identified in the application as the subject of the claim. And uh, it specifically excludes material that has been registered previously and also uh, published works are limited 
uh, to the work as published on the date given. Uh, for example, uh, if you uh, register your website uh, as of a particular date and uh, you modify it after that date, uh, only the, uh, the, the work as registered on that particular date is protected. Uh, how do you submit an application? Uh, what do you submit with it? Uh, you need to submit a copy of the work and a fee, and we'll talk about both of those as we go forward here. Uh, the fees uh, currently are $35 for an online registration, and if you still want to file on paper or if you absolutely have to because of the nature of what you're filing, uh, $65 is uh, uh, the current fee for that. And I've also listed uh, uh, the place on the copyright website where uh, the full chart of fees can be located. Now, the deposit materials uh, vary differently on, on what it is that you're actually trying to, to register, and uh, we'll talk about those as, as we go in a little bit more example, uh, but the, um, the Copyright Office asks for what's called the best edition for published works. Uh, for example, uh, if, if you have something that's published online and offline, for example, if you're trying to uh, digital edition of a book uh, that's also published on paper, the best edition for that would be the paper copy, and so that's what the Copyright Office wants. But if it's only sold online, uh, then you can get away with uh, uh, submitting uh, a digital copy. And uh, there's a, a wide variety of formats that they accept, uh, ranging from PDF uh, to other formats as well. Now, published definitely means something a little different than, than you may think of in, in the normal publishing context. Uh, this definition of publication uh, comes from before uh, there were such things as, as online works. And so uh, the Copyright Office leaves it in your discretion as to whether or not the work has been published. And I'll, I'll talk about this here go through the, the definition. Uh, it's defined as the distribution of copies or phone records of a work to the public by sale or other transfer of ownership or by rental, lease, or lending. So uh, the mere offering to distribute copies or phone records to a group of persons for further distribution does constitute publication. However, I think this is the key uh, sentence here for online works is that a public performance or display of a work does not of itself constitute publication. So just because uh, you, you have uh, put it out there on the website, but if, for example, it may not be available for sale, uh, such as a regular website or um, online work, um, you, you're not selling your website. And if you're trying to register the website itself, uh, it may not technically be published in the, in the copyright sense. Uh, if the work is published, you need to provide the date and nation of publication, but if it's unpublished, you leave those fields blank. And again, uh, it is your decision, not the copyright offices, whether or not the work is actually published. And again, it, it, it matters primarily for uh, the uh, purposes of, of how many copies need to be, be uh, submitted and so forth. And there's some other uh, issues as well. Uh, that come up with publication. So now we're going to get into talking about specifics of different kinds of, of online works. And uh, websites is, are certainly a broad category, something that uh, I strongly recommend that, that people uh, consider doing. 
Um, but uh, again, it's, it's not as straightforward as you may think uh, because a lot of it depends on the nature of the website and, and what it is that, that you're doing. Um, and it should be noted that each update uh, constitutes a new work. So uh, if you publish to your website on a particular day and uh, you register it um, and then you update it, uh, that, that's a, conservative, a derivative work of the original registered work. And if you later register it, only the, the works uh, that, um, you know, in between, you know, part of a supplemental registration uh, will be protected by that additional registration. Now, a lot of websites publish information on a schedule, and uh, this is where that they start looking at uh, what's part of a normal publication, uh, like a serial or a newsletter. Um, there is uh, uh, two different ways to do it. One, it would be uh, a, a serial registration for weekly or less often updates. Uh, if it's more of a newsletter, it can be done more often than weekly updates. Um, and again, uh, deposit requirements vary depending on when that information is also published on paper, like if it's a paper newsletter that's also distributed online, uh, or whether it's totally online. Um, again, if it's on paper, they want to copy the paper. Uh, in some cases, uh, a frequently updated online work could constitute an automated database. And so if that's the case, uh, you can register a group of updates to that database uh, covering a three-month period uh, within that same calendar year in a single registration. Um, there are a lot of um, online works, uh, such as a blog, uh, that uh, depend on databases uh, for the generation uh, and updates of their content. For example, you may not realize if you use something like WordPress, um, everything is stored in a, in a MySQL database. Um, and I don't believe that's what the Copyright Office is, is meaning by this automated database. Um, it, it, I think what they're looking for more here is uh, a, a database, a, a true database of, of facts and figures and, and not blog posts. So the next major category will be photographs. Uh, again, that they are uh, uh, capable of registration regardless of whether or not they're digital photographs versus uh, regular photographs. Uh, they can be registered individually uh, using the form VA, or if, uh, if you're actually filing on paper, you'd use a VA continuation sheet if it's in a group. Uh, but again, the, the online forms can, can handle this now. It's a, it's a fairly straightforward process. Uh, the next one is actually a quite fun one. Uh, it's called multi, uh, I, Categories of Multimedia Works. And this really means uh, when you've got an online work where you have authorship in two or more different types of media. Um, and uh, so long as the ownership, et cetera, of it is uh, the same, um, it can be filed as, as one application. Uh, so if the ownership is the same, and uh, I believe uh, the other uh, requirement is that um, uh, it uh, be published together as, as part of one work. Um, the, 
deposit requirements uh, depend on the media that's actually used. Now let's we're going to get into talking about copyright infringement uh, here. Uh, here's a uh, work that I found online. Uh, actually used uh, with 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 permission. Uh, um, you know, somebody posted this, thought it was kind of cute. Uh, what is copyright infringement? Uh, it is uh, action by someone who is not the owner uh, that usurps or interferes with uh, one or more of the owner's exclusive rights. And uh, we talked about uh, exclusive rights in uh, the prior uh, uh, copyright basics w webinar, but essentially, uh, it's just in brief summary, uh, these could be uh, the right for publication, uh, the right to distribute copies, the right to create derivative works, and so forth. Uh, the remedies for infringement range from injunctive relief uh, to uh, have impoundment or destruction of the goods. You can get compensatory damages and profits. Uh, you can get costs and attorney's fees. And um, again, costs and attorney's fees would, would depend on uh, whether or not you actually had uh, a registration in place before the infringement occurred. And the same thing with statutory damages. Uh, if it's a uh, eligible for, for statutory damages, uh, the normal range between $750 to $30,000. And in a case that we're able to prove willful infringement, uh, damages can uh, up to $150,000 per work. Um, however, if you're able to convince the judge that what you've done is actually innocent infringement, uh, that can lower the damages down to $200. Now, the defenses to inf uh, infringement um, uh, are definitely uh, varied and are, are certainly not what uh, uh, lay people generally expect uh, when it comes to infringement. Um, you know, they think if they did it innocently, uh, that's a defense, and it's not. As we talked just uh, on the prior slide, innocent infringement is a way of reducing damages, but uh, it's it by itself it's, it's not a defense. And uh, fair use uh, is something that we'll talk about in a little more detail in a second, uh, but uh, it's it's uh, it's a defense to infringement. So if if somebody doesn't buy your fair use defense, uh, you're you're definitely liable uh, for for what occurred. Um, so another one would be parody, um, trying to argue that the copyright itself is invalid. Uh, estoppel is um, uh, defense, an equitable defense uh, based on um, you know the the factual situation set forth there. Um, one would be uh, misuse or unclean hands. Uh, so would be someone uh, like using a, a a registration that they're not supposed to be using, or using it in in, in improper fashion uh, could be. Um, done there. Um, it used to be uh, a defense of improper notice, but notice is no longer a requirement. Uh, so that's more of an older uh, requirement. And the other thing to note is that uh, there is a three-year statute of limitations for copyright infringement actions, uh, but there's also an equitable doctrine called laches that may apply. Uh, laches is an equitable defense. Uh, let's say you put somebody on notice, you send them a cease and desist letter, um, 
but you never do anything about it after that, and uh, you don't actually get around to bothering to sue them for, uh, you know, six, seven years, uh, then laches will definitely apply. Uh, like if they, they relied on, on your, your non-enforcement to their detriment uh, after you put them on notice, uh, laches can certainly uh, come up to, to rear its head and, and, and bar your claim. If that's assuming that the statute of limitations itself hadn't run. Um, fair use is a, a four-factor test. Uh, there's a, a, a great uh, uh, Supreme Court case uh, that came out, uh, I believe, in the late 80s, uh, early 90s. Uh, the um, Two Live Crew case in, in which uh, uh, the it's it's a certainly worthy of reading. Uh, what the court looks at is the purpose and character of the use, uh, the nature of the copyrighted work, uh, the mountain substantiality of the portion used, and uh, the effect of use on the market for the copyrighted work. Um, and again, as I noted before, it's important to note that fair use is a defense to infringement, uh, but uh, if the court does or the trier of fact doesn't agree that it is a fair use. Uh, you're still on the hook for the infringement. Now, uh, just a little bit of a general advice uh, without uh, getting into specifics here or uh, without offering specific legal advice, uh, but uh, when you're facing, uh, you're, you're trying to use third-party content on your website, um, one thing to try to do is to try to track down who the owner actually is and uh, making sure that you have uh, permission for that use. Um, there's a, a copyright database that's on the website that uh, may help you track down uh, who the owner is uh, for particular works. Uh, and it's also important to note that not, not all works require permission. Uh, for example, if the work is published under uh, a Creative Commons license, uh, the work may be available for use provided that you comply with the license terms such as uh, providing uh, attribution, to the, to the author or uh, distributing the resulting work uh, according to the same license. Um, if you're interested in Creative Commons, uh, creativecommons.org is um, a great website. Now we're going to turn into uh, our last major topic which is dealing with online infringements. And certainly the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which is now part of uh, the our, our standard copyright act, uh, is uh, this is certainly uh, a, a popular topic, uh, but it's by no means the only way of dealing with online infringements. Um, uh, not all, all works are uh, capable uh, or not all websites are, or, you know, subscribe to this, the, the DMCA uh, system. Um, it, it's mainly used uh, uh, for uh, websites in which uh, you're, you're posting third-party content. Um, if somebody is uh, directly publishing, uh, it, it's so certainly um, worthwhile to just send send a notice. But uh, uh, you know, this particular provision uh, of the act is is mainly designed for for the more um, like publishing type of of uh, operations. Um, it's certainly a cease and desist letter uh, would would be uh, a good way of um, providing 
uh, notice and uh, to put put people uh, a notice of your claims. Uh, so a, you know, a DMCA takedown notice is is not necessarily uh, required. And so for here, we're going to briefly go through what is the DMCA, what is a notice, uh, what is the proper notice format, who should be notified, what are the steps, and uh, how long does it take, and what should I do if I don't like the result that I get. Uh, the DMCA is uh, part of the Copyright Act now, it's Section 512, um, in that uh, it provides uh, a safe harbor from liability for an online service provider uh, from hosting infringing content if it complies with the takedown notice that's uh, taken, uh, provided from the owner. And um, in order to uh, be eligible for this safe harbor, uh, the online service provider is required to designate an agent for service of these notices. And so, uh, it's it's important if if you are uh, an operator of these websites uh, to actually make sure you do register because uh, uh, otherwise um, if you don't register with the copyright office uh, and uh, and and pay pay the fee that is required uh, you're not going to be eligible uh, for for using this particular section um, you know somebody could still sue sue you for infringement. Uh, even if you otherwise, you know, do comply with the takedown notice just because you didn't register. Um, and to qualify, uh, the service provider must not have actual knowledge of the infringement, uh, no direct financial benefit, and you must act quickly to remove the content once there is notice. Uh, a DMCA notice uh, should have the physical or electronic signature of a person who is authorized to act on behalf of the owner. Uh, so there could be a lawyer. Um, it could be, uh, you know, somebody who's like a paralegal who's uh, authorized to uh, send these notices as well. Um, I could, it has to have an identification of the copyrighted work and identification of the material claimed to be infringing. Uh, not just a mere general notice, uh, but it should have, a, a, like for example, if it's provided information is, is at a particular URL, uh, you should provide that URL to put people on notice of, of where it's actually the information can exactly be found. Uh, you should provide contact information, and it's important that you also have a, a statement that the the party has a good faith belief that the use is not authorized by the owner and that the notice is accurate. Uh, the judge generally the procedure provides uh, requires notice given to the online service provider. The provider takes the material down and notifies the user who uploads the material. Uh, if material is taken down wrongly, the user can provide a counter notice. Uh, a counter notice is similar to a regular notice, uh, plus uh, requires there to be a statement consenting to jurisdiction in federal court. And within 10 to 14 days, if no suit is filed, uh, the uh, after receiving that uh, uh, notification within 10 to 14 days, if you know the, the, the um, person providing the original notice doesn't file suit in court. Uh, the material should be put back up. So it does take some time uh, to go through the whole process. Um, now, why would somebody submit such a counter notice? Uh, fair use, uh, commentary, uh, perhaps the, uh, the person who's providing the notice is not the actual owner or agent, or uh, what happens a lot is uh, misidentification. Uh, uh, there is uh, there are some online service providers uh, who 
uh, receive uh, automated uh, takedown notices from uh, content providers such as uh, those within the recording industry and so forth, the things that match their automated parameters, uh, but may not actually be uh, uh, the, the, the work that's alleged to be infringed. And so uh, there is a lot of misidentification. Um, you know, the, the people providing these automated notices will, will try to claim that uh, what they're doing um, is uh, uh, misidentified. Uh, well, they're doing their best is what, what they'll try to claim. And uh, uh, the premise is that they themselves could be liable for, uh, you know, submitting a false notice. So I certainly think I've, I've covered, um, you know, these topics, uh, again, uh, a little more in-depth than, than what we did uh, last time in the Copyright Basics. Uh, so at this point, uh, if anybody has uh, questions, uh, now would be a good time to do so. Again, you can use the, uh, the form there as part of the webcast to submit your questions. Well, uh doesn't seem to be any yet. Uh, if you do have any later, uh, please feel free to give me a call or uh, send me an email. I'd be happy to answer them. Uh, thank you all for coming. And again, our uh, next uh, webinar uh, will be coming up in January, um, I believe. I, I had it on the, the earlier slide. I believe it's uh, coming up on the 11th, and we'll be talking about uh, using the Madrid Protocol for uh, international trademark applications. Thank you so much for attending.